podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, that's a Good. You're on speakerphone. You're on speakerphone. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't hear your phone ring, but um, I like when I hear your phone ring at the beginning of the podcast. Well, it just so happened that I... Actually, it was not even that quick that I picked it up, so I don't know. Ask Verizon what happened, I guess. Complain to them, not me. Do you want to try it again so I could try to get your, your phone ringing? Well, would you oblige me and, like, ha hang up and then have me call back so I can hear your phone ring? You need that? Yeah, I do. That's what you need? Yes. That's what you need. I also have a glass with ice in it, which is another sound I wanted on the podcast today. I like it. It's nice. And, like... It's nice on a hot summer day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, I'll call you back. Let's give her a minute to be like, you fucking cunt. All right, let's go back. Nice. Was that enough ringing for you, asshole? That was great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, how many times did it ring for you? It rang twice for me. Hold on, I have another sound. I have another sound. Ready? Okay. That was, Ooh. yeah, that was my seltzer. Cool. That's, this is me peeing in a cup. Oh, you can't hear it. You're um, Anyway, uh, you're listening to Two Hosts from Delco. And uh, my name is Beth Heinley. Hold up, I fucked up because uh, I, there was a, I dripped some seltzer on my mouse pad and I went to go like dry it off and uh, I accidentally stopped recording when I did that. Good thing I have this interface open while we do this so I know if it's recording or not. Jesus Christ, get your shit together. <laughs> All right, so yeah, okay, okay. Okay. Wait, what did you say? I never fix in post. No shit. I was being sarcastic. This is two O's from Delco. We do not edit these podcasts. We do not have microphones. I don't even know how to call Marine and have it record through my computer that way. And I don't want to find out. So don't mansplain me and message us and tell us how to do it. I don't want to know how to do it. Okay? Right. It's like, it's like when, you know, women like produce our own music and stuff like it's like respect so we don't need no man to produce anything and if it sounds like shit fuck you we like it that way we like it sounding like shit this is what we choose 
Uh, and my name is Beth Hindley, and Maureen's name is Maureen Cummings. And That's true. yes, and we are from Delco. And, and uh, we, this podcast talks about topics. Um, <clears throat> this is episode 42, so I chose uh, for today's topic to, for us to talk about Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So, which I think is good because we've been doing um, some British comedy stuff. You know, we did The Young Ones. Oh, you've read, oh shit. go to the library and read you and your mom well yeah there was also there but there was also like there was like a children's library and there was a big playground and like a field there was a like a baseball field at Sellers library in Delaware county in which, upper darby which li- i've been, i've never been to upper darby's library oh god it's it's uh yeah it's nice i mean it's like i when i played softball we used to play softball games at that field um where is it what road? Where, where? Oh, it's on State Road. It's like a little, it's like, uh, so if you were, I don't know what's like around anymore. I feel like there's like a funeral home near there, and then across the street there's like apartment buildings. It's on State, near State Road in Westchester Pike. Mm-hmm. But if you would not see it probably, because it's kind of like, looks like a big hill from the street. Like you have to like go around the other side and like go the, into the back way, like the back roads. Uh... Is there a Wawa near it? Um, if you went out the back of the Wawa, there's a road that I think is oh, like Park or something. Um, oh. I think that that's wrong. But if you, it's like a diagonal sort of road that like cuts actually down to the other Wawa, the Wawa. On oh wait, is that Marshall? Isn't that Marshall Road? No, no, you're thinking of like more lands down. This is like a side street. Okay. All right. Well, um, I want a map, but I'm too lazy, and we don't do research. All right. Well, good luck locating that for Darby Library from that description. It's Sellers Library. Sellers. Sellers. Library. Seller. So, who's it named after? Peter Sellers. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Okay, so for Darby. They're like huge Peter Sellers fans over there in Upper Darby, so. I don't even know who that is. Um, he's a comedian. Oh. Just kidding. Um, actually, I'm not sure either. I just. Um, you know it's someone's name. It's, he's a film actor. Oh, wait. I think he is a comedian. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was right. He's a comedian, bitch. Oh, he has the same birthday as Bernie Sanders, September 8th. Aw, there goes. He's dead, though. Mm. Then his birthday's doesn't matter. He's gone. 
Well, at least he has the Upper Darby Library to carry on his his the memory of his name. Right, because so. that's why I know who he is. Um. So, you know who I actually can't remember their name? It's like blanking on me. It, the author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's like David something. What's Douglas it? Adams. Douglas Adams. Duh. Yeah. I kept on being like David Foster Wallace, who I definitely know is not the author of Hitchhiker's Guide. That's, uh, you know, the other annoying infinite jest. Which I've never read that. You should read it, Ma Marine. You would like it because it's like absurdism and there's an Alcoholics Anonymous in the book, which okay. is really funny. Um, it's, a, it's about addiction, essentially. Um, huh. A big part of it. <clears throat> and it's, I mean, it's supposedly kind of, sort of autobiographical to the author's own uh, problems with addiction. Um, but it's like absurd. It's absurdism, which actually links us to what I like about Douglas Adams' books is that his use of absurdism. It's just like um, my favorite kind of comedy. And it's not yeah. for it's not for everyone. I think Doug, David Foster Wallace is absurdism, but it's like really abstract, though. Um, I would say Douglas Adams is definitely more approachable, um, funny. Yeah, like yeah, a lot I'm more people funny. will like it. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Uh, I, I I also love his absurdism, and uh, that's just sort of his view of everything is kind of nihilistic too like the answer to the life the universe and everything is fucking 42 um you know you just go around in circles hence our decision to do that for this episode episode 42 yeah um okay so now let's not talk too much about it uh, because what we like to do in the podcast is start off the podcast, we start talking at the, about the top cap, the, the topic of the podcast, you know, that's what we do. And then when we are about to get into an interesting conversation about it, we cut it off uh, and chop it off and throw it out the car window into a field. And, um, and then we then go on to other topics of the podcast or sections of the podcast to make sure that the podcast is as structured as a podcast and uh, so that we can acclimate ourselves with the rest of the podcast community. And uh, so uh, in spirit of that, uh, let's see, I mean, we have several sections to get through. We did the, the introduction and start to talk about the topic and then cut off talking about the topic. Now we could do, we could move on to the recap section of the podcast, which is talking about the last episode of the podcast, if you'd like. Listen, um, I just have to point this out, backtrack a little bit, because mm -hmm. this never happens. I was right. The name of the street is Park Avenue. So... It goes from Wawa to Wawa. <laughs> okay. All right. Park yeah. Avenue, there's two, that it has two Wawas on either end of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, that's, these are the things that stay in my mind. And I have not lived in that neighborhood in like 15 years. 15? I think you're being generous. I am. 
it's more than that, but it's not quite 20. I think 17. Um, well, we do go to the Picas every year. Yeah, but I don't. Like, I haven't been driving around in that area yeah. for over 15 years. So I don't. I can't believe I remembered any street names, let alone Park Avenue. But I guess when you have a Wawa on either end, you can't go wrong. And you can't forget. Yeah, you can't Never forget. forget. Uh, okay, so about the recap section of the podcast, we talked about the last episode. So the last episode, we talked about parallel universes. Um, you know, I listened to it, Maureen, the last yeah. podcast, and I thought it was really delightful. And I'm gonna listen to it after this. Did, have you not? You haven't. Okay, you haven't listened to it. I haven't been listening to them because I've been in a weird funk about listening to myself. Like, but I think I need to get over it. I mean, that's understandable. I get it. Um, it's just that, if, that if you don't listen to it, uh, that no means we only have, well, we only would have, listeners. yeah, we would only have three <laughs> listeners. If But if, with you listening, that bring, that punches up our ratings a little bit. So I'd really appreciate it if you just give it a try. I know. And it's going to be like, whoa, who's like binging our podcast? It's great. I'm going to be like, it wasn't me. Um, but no, I thought the last podcast was delightful, and um, we don't really, we weren't, it's not really informative if you're wanting to learn more about parallel universes, it's not really informative in that way, uh, scientifically, uh, but we we did, uh, you know, I was actually, damn it, and now I lost it again, I was, because we were trying to talk about how they measure what they measure to that started the the idea that they had proof of a parallel universe and um i was reading something and it came back to me what it was and now i forget it again now so that's kind of that's kind of worthless um but yeah we we talked about the parallel universes i um also i wanted to I didn't talk about this, but um, I actually did a uh, lecture on time travel and parallel universes in relation to Battlestar Galactica. I did, I did this like, but it was like, it's it, this was like four years ago, so I don't really remember anything about it, um, except that apparently like traveling through like a wormhole will will like just take you directly to the a parallel universe uh-huh. um and that was my my theory was that because that battle of star galactica there's like a, a an ending that nobody really it's a kind of an open-ended ending and my theory was that one of the 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 things was is that they had actually traveled through a wormhole because they were they were always you know um, doing warp speed um, okay. space travel and they act, they went into a wormhole and ended up in a parallel universe and uh, that was one of my theories uh, which I, I was lost. like what's that? So I thought that was from Lost. I was it's kind of a joke. I think it's like a common time travel trope that you. 
the parallel universe thing, which is something we didn't really talk about. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like it's a good, uh, it's a lot, a lot of time it's a theory for open-ended endings that, that are, like, lazy. Yeah. Like, it's like, maybe there's just a parallel universe. Okay. Um, actually, I mean, I'm trying to, I'm writing a science fiction now myself, comic, and maybe, uh, I should just do that as the end, as, like, a joke to other sci-fi readers. Um, and then, uh, well, I am, I'm also reading um, this book called The Three Body Problem by, I don't know, it's a Chinese writer. It's like Shin Zan now. I don't know how to say their name. Ben, Shin... you gotta be careful with that. You gotta be careful with the Chinese because that's what Donald Trump says. He actually says that Biden is going to turn America into China. I saw it on a campaign ad on YouTube yesterday. Sorry, I just have to warn you. Biden is going to turn, wait, Biden's going to turn China into YouTube? No, he's going to turn America into China. He's going to turn America. That's what Trump's ad says. You got to fucking check it out. Wow. What? That is some. What you were talking about, but I had to. That shit crazy. Wow. You need to see the imagery, Beth. I had to fucking turn it off. I was going to, like, start fucking punching things. This is what happens when we have a presidential election with two extremely old and senile men. (laughs) No, it's like... It's like... It's like like bizarro campaign ads. I mean... I know! And then Biden's like, um, a a black woman! And, like, everybody's like, Biden, we'll suck your dick now! Like... Fuck you. Like, because you got a token black woman? I'm sorry. Kamala Harris is great and all, like, as a, a whatever she is. I do not hate her. Oh, don't like her. Good not for you. Her, I don't like her. You don't have to. I don't really particularly like her either. But she is a token. And that's not, I'm not saying that because I don't like her. I'm saying that because it's fucking true. Yeah. It's fucking true. Yeah, it is fucking true. And it's disgusting. And that man has used black people to, like, advance his own career. Which is ironic because, like, he hates black people so much, obviously. Yeah. He loves the blacks, Beth. He's for the blacks. Uh, well, yeah, he's politically black, sure, but that doesn't mean you like black people. He calls them the blacks. I thought he liked the Hispanics more than the blacks. Didn't he like Hispanics? Yeah, he said the Hispanics have like real issues that they're interested in. I forgot I did you know, I did see that. They have more issues yeah. <laughs> than the than the blacks. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Papa. Good old Uncle Joe. Anyway, I'm sorry. You're reading a book We got was off of our Uncle Joe out. Uncle Joe Biden and Mamala. <laughs> Uncle Joe Biden and Mamala. Um, whatever. I'm going to vote for them. Um, I think so am I. No fucking choice. Gotta eat shit. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, my thing is, I'm actually just, I'm not going to tell anyone who I'm voting for, and I'm not ever going to, like, say shit about who I think you should vote for. I'm not going to say shit about, like, I, I think they suck, and I will continue to be like, they suck. Same. But also, I think voting is, like, literally, you're just, your base form of activism that you can do it's not like you know i hate to be like it's not a big deal it's it is whatever but like just just like you know what if if all you do is vote you know i'm sure like it's better than not voting but like 
you have to do a lot more than just vote if you want to be politically engaged. So, um, and not that I think anything we do um, makes a significant difference, uh, <laughs> but you know, hey, freedom is a constant struggle, right? You know what? No, and honestly, I love struggle. I, I think that even just documenting this time mm-hmm. is important for the future. That's why we podcast, Maureen. That's what I'm, that's, I, that's what I was referring to directly, yes. <laughs> this is like, that's why we podcast. <laughs> the only problem is we only have like four listeners. That's the only it problem. It doesn't matter. It'll be up forever. It's the internet. It's never going away. So uh, like, in, like when we're dead, that's when it'll blow up. People will be like, oh my God, I really want to understand the year uh, 2018 through whatever. Well, I really like. So, I hope Spotify's archiving these because what if like um, I can't pay my SoundCloud monthly premium like after I die after I die like who's gonna pay for it? We could put them on YouTube. We could do a YouTube channel. A lot of podcasts do that. Oh yeah, we could put them on YouTube. We could. Um, what else can we do? We could take like we could take uh, like an overtly sexual spread of pictures so that on each podcast we can put another photo of us and we could put some of our some of the uh cosplay photos on there and do a different one on each podcast or slideshows of oh no if we were we can't do that for free we'd have to do an only fans we can't do that shit for for free yeah yeah we can't do that give that shit away for free well you know maybe we can do one anyone who's interested in some hot 40-year-old Delco mm-hmm. pussy. Get in touch I'm with not us. I'm showing my pussy. Well, how, you can't do an OnlyFans and not show your pussy. Who wants to see that? Uh, people on OnlyFans, they want to see... Don't they want to see my butthole? Maybe. It okay. depends. You have I'll a... The way it works is, like, you you build a personal relationship relationship with your uh, with your OnlyFans. And By you, showing them your vagina? Uh, that's what they hope for. That's what they're there. They, they You bait them with your vagina. That's what you do. Pussy bait. hmm Because um, you, know, you know there's a market for 40-year-old pussy. You know there's a market for that. I mean, it's the perfect age pussy because it's not old yet and it's fucking experience. It's the best pussy, 40-year-old pussy. I mean, honestly, Marie, if we want to be the best examples of liberals that we can be, we have to show our pussy for money for the sex workers. You're so right. And, you know, you're right. You're right. And we should definitely probably have um, a minority female also in the photos just with us. Just for the purpose of being there. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah, I think I know just someone. Just show, and we should like be pointing at her and be like, "Look." Okay. Um, maybe we can make it like uh, religious themed too. Oh my god, I would love to dress up like a sexy nun. Sexy nuns. Uh, should we? Maybe it'd be too problematic to have that crucify the minority. That would be too. Oh, pro- I was problematic. actually. That's the imagery that popped into my mind. I okay. would dress as the Virgin Mother. You can be like I want to be the, Virgin like, Mary. With the stick. I could be who? Like you can be like the century that like pokes Jesus and like then the wine comes out and I'll be like, oh, were you at? Like, oh. No, uh, that 
I don't want to do that. I want to be. I want to be the Virgin Mary, and then. Well, you know what? I'll be Mary Magdalene if you want to be the Virgin Mary. Okay, yeah, I feel like they were both there at the cross, right? Yeah, but Mary, yeah. the Virgin Mary gets to, like, hold Jesus, Jesus' bloody body yeah, on but her lap. Yeah, fucking Mary Magdalene, Magdalene gets to fuck Jesus. You know she did. She, they, of course she did. Of course that was what their relationship was. It's ridiculous to think otherwise unless he was gay. Can you imagine that? Yes. I do too. Yeah. I mean, he kind of seems like, I mean, actually. He did it, travel. It doesn't matter. doesn't even matter. He probably was bisexual, actually. I mean. He was so right. He loved yeah. everybody. And he was the type, long hair, beard. He smoked probably a lot of pot. The uh, denying of Jesus' bisexuality is the beginning of bisexual erasure within the LGBTQ community. Right there. Thank you for coming to... I yeah, that was the TED that was the TED talk level right there. I love that you just like were like, okay, assumption, Jesus is bisexual. We accept that next thing. I like your style. But uh, yeah, I, oh, I was going to tell you, uh, have you seen, you haven't because you don't watch movies, but uh, there's a movie called Mary Magdalene, and it's Joaquin Phoenix and the girl, woman, excuse me, woman, Itch. that no. that Joaquin has um, knocked up. She's an excellent actress, and I forget her name. What the fuck is her name? Uh, Rooney Mara. What a great name. Rooney Mara. Yeah, that's a cool name. Uh, no wonder I didn't remember it. Anyway, so somebody needs to name a library after this bitch. Uh, it was so good. The Mary Magdalene movie. I loved it. And it's really hot between her. Oh. Her and Joaquin Phoenix plays Jesus. I have to check that shit out. Yeah, it's hot. It's really hot. Uh, and it's not, it's not like, um, it's a pretty quiet movie, but I think you would love it. Cool. Wait, What's is it up? really supposed to be Jesus and Mary Magdalene? Yeah. Or is it like a present... Oh, it's, it's I them. thought it was like a present day adaptation. No, like not... Adaptation. Yeah, it's not a present day adaptation. It's back in the day when Jesus and Mary Magdalene meet. And it's also like tearing down the mythology around Mary Magdalene. Like, for instance, she wasn't actually a prostitute. Or she wasn't. Um, that was just something the Catholic Church like put on her identity for some reason. Um, and it talks about Jesus's even relationship to um, women and them w with the, their relationships with God and religion. Because we're talking back in the day where women did not have um, as much, you know... As, did not have equal rights or whatever, whatever the fuck. Like we have it now. Unless they were Buddhists. Well, Buddhists, the thing is, we're allowed to follow the Buddha. I'm confused about that because I thought in Judaism, like women were were like had a lot more like um, rights than in other societies. Like as far as property of ownership, and then I've also uh, heard that like. The identity, the Jewish identity of offspring, is comes from the mother, is connected to the to the matriarch of the family. That's um, the only thing that I do know. Basically. Yeah, so I don't know. I didn't think women were really whatever, but of course, 
there's the whole, you know, you have to get married and have babies and shit and you don't get, and I think, uh, there's arranged marriage or whatever. So, I mean, obviously I'm not talking about Jewish people today. I'm talking about back in the day. Yeah. 2000 years ago. Roman empire times. Yeah. Anyway, good movie. The Catholic Church, like, took probably the story of Bone Man that existed and was probably like an amazing, amazing man and spiritual teacher. Yeah. And turned it into whatever they needed it to be to control their people. Which was, it's basically an adaptation of the uh, Egyptian um, mythology and religion. The story of Jesus is like mm-hmm. the sun raw or whatever. We've talked about this before. It's all paganism. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, has nothing to do with parallel, parallel universes or uh, our last episode. Um, so kind of... No. Kind of went but off we on. can't help it. We're fucking groovy. We're raised Catholic school girls. We're like, but we have to talk about Jesus. We have to talk about Jesus. Uh, we love Jesus. He's the best, you know? Jesus is love. Anyway. He's my favorite bisexual prophet. Oh, God, I love it. So... Bisexual prostitute fucker? Um, you're gonna have to go to church for that one. (laughs) Confession. Confession, sorry. Um, Can't get get the Eucharist this weekend unless I go to confession after that sin. So... I... I'm trying to segue into, I guess there's really, I don't know what else to say about parallel universes. I thought it was... You you were talking about a good book you were reading by a Chinese author. Oh, well, so this, I just started the book, but I feel like it's going to, it's going to get into parallel universes. I'm not sure, but I think so. Like, there's like uh, a sign, it's like this scientific experiment between like, particle accelerator thingies, you know, those things. Why can't I never remember the names of them? I think they're actually called particle accelerators. Oh, that's it? It's that easy? Um, Okay. Anyway, there's, like, three of them, and it's, like, this government conspiracy, and I just have a feeling that it has a way of traveling to other worlds that I think will be, like, a parallel universe sort of thing. I don't know. We'll get into it. I mean... I'll get into it as I'm reading the book. I'm only, like, 100 pages in. Is this a fiction, or is this a non-fiction? Oh, it's fiction. It's science okay, so it's, it's like science fiction. fiction. It's science fiction, but also it's, like, based... It's very real-world based. Like, for instance, the start of the book starts at Chinese communism, like, in the 60s. Yeah. Um, the takeover of uh, the Communist Party. And then is in, like, present-day... 2000s and stuff and uh so the politics of china are very real world and rooted in like that but it's also but then there's this science fiction that plays you know through that so yeah plays in it so it's uh it is science fiction but you know um yeah it's interesting. It's interesting because, obviously, from the author's point of view, he's very critical of communism. Obviously, com- and what's the China, communist China is, like, fucked up. We all agree about that, you know. Um, but it's also very, at the start of the book, it's, like, uh, the Western influence. It's very critical of the Western inf- influence of capitalism. But then it's, like, 
falling into this authoritative government to back battle that ideology of Western capitalism. So uh, it's interesting in that way to see it on the flip side, because I'm always I'm hypercritical of capitalism living under capitalism. So it's interesting for somebody, a writer living in a communist country who um, like is critical of communism, obviously, and, you know, um, positively, you know, considering capitalist ideology and stuff. I don't know. Anyway, it's, it's interesting. It is Um, interesting. It would be interesting to me because I struggle with that because growing up, I was brainwashed to believe that capitalism good and communism and socialism bad evil. Uh And that goes like equal fascism. And that's not true. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it is. It's difficult because you have these ideal systems, and then you have the real world. And I feel like even Douglas Adams would agree with me that I feel like he would tie that into a beautiful, funny joke, which I can't do. Yeah, I don't like. You know, we will have to get into that later, but we should uh, because Douglas Adams breaks down and makes jokes about all of these sort of, I would say, like archetypes of politics and society and definitely he makes fun of government a lot um so we could talk about that but any case um but that would be wrong that would be wrong to do that right now uh so let's move on to the apology section and i honestly like you know no one has written in to ask us to apologize for anything uh, we talked about this. It's probably because no one is listening. You know, uh, I yeah. was, I was re- like going through our recorded podcast and picking out things that I was like that we need to apologize for. I did that in the early episodes. I'm not doing that anymore because that's really, it, I came to see it as super unhealthy. Yeah, uh, I think it's stupid. Yeah, the section If you start to like look back at everything you say and and think of and then pull what you think you need to apologize for, it then begins to be like very hard to even speak or think um, independently. Yeah. This is what I found anyway. So I so. so I'm, I it was unhealthy practice for me process. So I decided to not do it anymore, and I am begging you, listener to write in and ask us to apologize for things. You're just being lazy. Oh, don't be such a bootlicking neolib. Tard. Catchphrase, neoliberal. No, okay, so I, uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that anymore. And I did not get any messages. If you have anything you want us to apologize for, you can find us on Twitter. And my Twitter account is at Beth Heinley, B-E-T-H-H-E-I-N-L-Y, N as in no. And Marine is in, Marine is mocum99, M-O-C-U-M-99, 1-M. And, uh, yeah, so you can message us on there. I... Uh, have a, I, I got a message in my inbox this morning on Twitter. I actually, I was drunk on Twitter last night, which is not a good idea. Um, and there was this video of this, um, black man 
pissing in a white woman's mouth, and she had these like huge fake tits. They were gross. Oh. They were gross looking too. They were like not good looking fake tits. They were like really bad. Ew. Okay. Um, and she was, this guy was like pissing in her mouth. And uh, I liked it. I liked the treat because I thought did it was. Your, did I get your pussy wet? No, I thought it was funny. Uh, no, uh, it really was not hot. Her tits were disgusting. Like maybe oh, if she had the nicer. Tits were a problem? Yeah, the tits really were a problem for me. Yeah, the boob job really detracted from the, you know, the, the Someone, pissing in the mouth. The pissing in the mouth. And, and like, the degradation and humiliation. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, anyway, so the person who posted it, and it's like this French account. I don't even speak French, you know? Uh Um, yeah, it's a French account. Who knows? It could be Italian. I don't fucking know foreign languages. What's Um, different French, Italian, whatever, they're all white. They, they, uh, messaged me to show me the post, and then there was a little wink. And I was like, oh, my God, what, how does this happen? Like, how much porn is there on the Internet, right? And I'm the one who gets approached by the porn page after liking a tweet. Like, why? And it's probably just an automatic. No, well, I went and looked, and I was the only person who liked the tweet. That's kind of funny. That's so embarrassing. That's like... I mean, that's what you get, bitch. <laughs> it's just what you get. That's like... How many de- how of all the tweets to be that you know how you're always nervous about being the only one to like a tweet anyway? No, Are, you're not no, nervous about that. I would be nervous of being the only person. Like sometimes I'll see a tweet and be like, I think that's funny, but I need more people to like it before I like it because I don't want to be the only one who likes it. I guess that's a weird thing with me. No, I have weird, like, Twitter quirks, too, but I've never, i just never thought about that. It's totally on par with things that I do. I can't think of an example, of an example, but I'm sure that one will come to me. Well, anyway, so I was, like, I felt, anyway, and then the one time it happens, it's, like, this, like, disgusting, humiliated, humiliation porn, like. <laughs> that really is funny, and it's just reinforcing, like, your nerves. <laughs> it is. Like, I swear. <laughs> This is why, like, people who are schizophrenic, I, I completely empathize, empathize with in this f- fucking cur- cultural climate that we're in. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, I, it's, yeah, it, it, we all are like that. Like, we're, we're all schizophrenic. Like, human beings are generally at the same level of ridiculousness when it comes to, like, their cognitive, like, fuck-ups. Yeah. But, like, seriously, we're idiots. We're idiots. Like... If you go on YouTube or something and just, like, look up videos about, like, sort of how the mind works and I, I guess, like, logical fallacies and stuff like that and just, like, cognitive um, shortcomings that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, like the 300-pound gorilla in the in the basketball video. Look up the gorilla in the basketball video. I think that's a great example. Like, you can, people who aren't told that it's there, like, if they don't notice it, they actually don't see it. They believe, like, they're like, no, there was no gorilla in that video. And it's, like, in the middle of the fucking video, but, like, you don't expect to see it, so you don't see it. It's creepy. Wow. I will, yeah. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I believe it was a study that was done. I think I saw, like, a yeah. video about the study. Well, you know how much I love feeling stupid, so I'm going to get yeah, right on Yeah, I mean, it's, it really makes you be like, oh, my God, everybody's really fucking stupid. Yeah. 
Um, and our reality is not, you know, realistic all the time. No. So that's true. Our perception of reality is generally wrong. Let's try not to get into another Donald Hoffman tangent. Yeah, and this is the same conclusion from a totally different point of view, too. So... Uh, write, write to us for apologies. Um, I guess uh, the next section of the podcast, well, real quick, I should get into this other, this is a new section I added, um, that uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash number two hose from Delco. Um, please come to our Patreon, become a patron. for You could be a patron for up to a dollar a month. A uh, dollar a month gets you nothing. But if you are a Patreon for $5 a month, we do uh, an extra podcast on the Patreon that is exclusive to Patreon members. And we also will mail you out a Two Hosts from Delco sticker. Um, and, you know, sometime in the future, we'll probably be doing t-shirts as well uh, for the podcast. So sign up today. And we would like to also take a moment to thank our current Patreoners for, for their support. And uh, so thank you, Patreoners. Maureen, I think you should say thank you, too. Thank you, Patreoners. Thank you so much. And, thank um, you so much. Yes, yeah, so sign up today. Uh, lastly, with that, we, we don't actually have a Patreon, but this is the Patreon section of the podcast, so I'm obligated to, to talk about this. Can you imagine doing an extra podcast special one? Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we could barely get together, like, every two weeks, um, to talk on the phone. I can't imagine, um, what we would do with you know, or having to say, um, for another podcast, like, to, to, to do every, we would have to podcast, like, once a week or some shit. I know, that's crazy. We don't even want to talk that much to each other. <sighs> no, I don't want to talk that much. Um, I love saying um, though, you know, yeah, so that's you know, tough. That's a, the tongue clicking and the umming. So I would sign up for that to do that. Maybe we could just, it would just be an um, tum, tongue click episode. I fucking love it. I love that idea. Um, like two and a half hours. Um, we should try it for just a minute. Let's see if we could do it for just a minute. Um, like. Um, like. You can't do like, it's um. Um, I think I say like way more than um. Um, 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 I say so, too, so. That's not as bad. So, um. Now, that's the other suggestion. It's the public speaking suggestion. Now. Now. Except then you just sound like a cat all the time. Now, if you're from Upper Darby. Now. Okay, now. Okay, now. Okay, now. So, um, um, so, okay, now. You're so good at that. Um, so. Better than I am. Now, okay, now. <laughs> okay, it's been a minute. 
All right, so onwards. Uh, the racist confections, confessions section of the racist podcast. Confections, racist <laughs> confessions, racist confessions, yummy, yummy, racist confessions. Um, so now I think you should go first, Maureen. I actually have an exemplary, and I choose that Ooh. word because it was the perfect exemplary word to use. I have an exemplary racist confession. I feel like this is, like, the point of racist confessions, and I never have a good one, like, a real interaction like this to share. Uh-huh. But I was, you know, I'm not going to say any details. I'm just going to say that I was at a place in Delaware County. It was not my place of work. It was not associated with it. But it was somewhere that I had to be. Um, it wasn't, like, a place that I was just, like, at for fun. But it was somewhere that I had to be. And um, the people that were working there there was, like, a black woman and a white man. And I feel like they were both, like, probably in their 20s. Okay. And um, it was, like, the guy had, again, exemplary, exemplary Delco accent. I liked him. He was, like, funny. He was, like, super just a Delco guy. We just got each other. And the woman was really funny and nice. And we talked a lot about, like, health insurance, like, our respective fiancés and, like, health insurance status and all this stuff. Okay. Um, so I had, like, pretty good conversations with both of you. Like, I mean, like... So pretty, wait, like, you went to, like, a party and you didn't go to my birthday party? It was a place that I had to be. Okay, fine. Um, they worked there. So... It's... Ex- I... Uh, this is a- acceptable. Go on. <laughs> That's why I'm <laughs> stressing. It was a place I had... I don't want people to think I'm, like, out. Like, I really don't do anything. This was a place I absolutely Yeah, everyone, for the podcast listeners, I had a birthday party, and I invited Maureen. It was outdoors, and she declined to come. Yeah, no, I'm not going to parties yet. I'm not doing that. I don't even, I haven't even visited my parents yet. So it's March. Oh, my God. Which I'm going to do sometime soon. I can't believe that. I know. But I'm not comfortable. My... I mean, I, again, I'm not going to share too many details, but, like, yeah. my parents' status has, like, changed as far as their level of exposure. So my level of exposure was so high that I was not willing to risk them yeah. by going over there. But now their exposure level has changed because they didn't have to, like, really leave the house before. Um, but, you know, the world is changing. People are going back out. So at this point, like, yeah, like, I want to be able to hang out with them and do it while it's still nice out so we can hang out outside. Yeah. Um, but that will literally be my first social outing. Well, I'm glad you're planning on it. I'm glad you're planning on it. That's good. Um, Yeah, so my racist confession. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry about that. um, My racist confession. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I mean, I interrupt you all the time. (laughs) Go ahead. Um, Okay, so I was at this place, whatever. There's a couple people that work there. Um, but they're, like, sort of, like, back and forth, like, talking to me, whatever. And, um, the white guy was like, oh, who gave this thing to you that you have or whatever? And I was like, oh, it was, I was like, it was the younger African-American woman. And I, like, hesitated because, like, I didn't know really how to describe her, like, which in and of itself, it first of all, made my skin crawl with being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's like, it's like it's just, 
made me uncomfortable because I really did not know how to like refer to a black person in that context to another white person during this time. Like I don't think that I would have even given it that much of a second thought before the whole Black Lives Matter thing became like such like an on the surface issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was funny because he like laughed at me. He was like African American. I, like, I was like, well, I don't know. Like, and I was like, I guess I'm really old. Like, do people not say that anymore? Is that like not the polite thing to say anymore? I have no idea. Nobody but, says African American. Huh? Nobody says African American anymore, Marie. I know. That's why it was funny. Um, and that's why it's my racist confession. That was a very Joe Biden of you. I know. Even Joe Biden knows that they're blacks. He says the blocks. Um, okay, so wait. Why? Okay, so I'm trying to break up this situation here to really, I'm trying to unpack this racist confession here. So you were at a gathering. I was, it wasn't a gathering. It was a place of business. A place of business. And there was the, a black guy and a black woman. No, a white guy and a black woman. A white guy and a black woman. Okay. And the black woman walks away and the white guy goes, hey, where's, what's their face? And you say... Yeah, and he was like, oh, who gave you this thing? And she, the younger black woman, had given me this thing. And I described her as the younger African-American woman. And, like, we both just, like, looked at each other. Did and you not know small. her name? You don't know her name? Oh, no, I didn't. She, I don't think she told me her name. Oh, okay. So she didn't tell you her. Okay. All right. All right. So these are like people, uh, not even, not even acquaintances. Yeah. Not even acquaintances. Yeah. Um, so. He and I shared a moment of like white confusion and fragility. Uh, yeah, I mean. It just goes to show you, like, how much race can really, like, or or being, like, just overly cautious about race and identity in this way can really just be just fucking stupid. It was ridiculous. Like, both of us knew how ridiculous it was. Um, I mean, if it was, if she was a white woman, how would you describe her? You'd be like, oh, that Karen? Uh, (laughs) Would you just be like... No, I couldn't describe them all that way. I probably would have said a hair color. You would have said a haircut. I wouldn't really describe a black woman as a brunette. Maybe. I mean, how many people were in this room that this guy asked you this? The three of us. Well, who else could have given you the thing for him? Like, why did he even we ask you? We weren't all in there together. I mean, it sounds like this guy might be, like, mentally challenged or something. I mean, if there's three what people... Are you talking about? Is this like a gorilla in the room thing that happened? Like because no, there's just there was other people there. I oh, only okay. interacted with two people because COVID. So none of it. We weren't all in the room together. It was separate. Okay, but if you only dealt with two, who else could it be? What's he confused about? Who else could it be? He didn't know someone else that they worked with came into the room and talked to me and did things. Okay. Huh. Okay. So. So he was like, who did this thing to you? And I said, oh, the other person, the African-American young woman. Okay. Which made me sound like a fucking 75-year-old woman. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you should have just said, you should have just explained to him that you're, you're, look, 
You're, you're not allowed, uh, you're not allowed, uh, you're not around black people a lot. So you have some black neighbors, but you don't know, you don't say hi to them or talk to them. You I'll know, the only black people you see are at Wawa. So you just didn't know how to deal with the situation. You didn't know how it's to. Confusing. I was like, I don't, I'm, I'm racist. I was like, I don't know. I was, I was like, deep down, it's there, man. He was like, me too. Oh, he said, he said, hashtag me too to you. Yeah, and I was like, dude, you're a rapist. And he was like, I'm not a rapist. I was like, you're a man. And then I kicked him in the nuts. Um, yeah. So. Okay, okay, I would say, I'm not sure you were being racist in this instance, but, um, you know. Whatever you tried your best. Um, That's why I feel like it's I feel like it's like low key racist because I was like in the situation I was like I don't know what to say like if anything like, I I think it's the cultural climate that is like fucking with you to a, a level that you can't like just have normal social engagements interactions with people. That and, is very and true. Not so much that you're racist. I mean, that is very true. Um, also, before, I would actually not have... I used to be like, why would you... Like, I know that people don't say African-American. I know it's, like, ridiculously, like, overly... It's, like, insulting. Because you're being like, you can't... You know what I mean? It's like, none of us can deal with your race. We have to call it this other thing. Yeah, I think, like... Well, I, I think the African-American at one point in time was, like, a positive sort of way to talk about their race. But then at the it same... Was. Because, um, you know, everyone's... They're from Africa. Uh, but that's also... I think then that term somehow... I, I don't... I forget the... I forget well, the... Well, not all African-Americans are from... Not all black people are from Africa. Yeah, exactly. Not all black people are from Africa. And also, like, maybe they don't want to, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we're just assuming that someone with darker skin is from Africa, like, in their lineage. Like, people, you know, I don't know. Like, they don't call us European-Americans. That's, I maybe on a form. Well, people like to be called Irish American or Italian American or, um, you know, I think, I think it stems from that, but yeah, it's pretty, uh, Like, was African American something that white people made up and maybe that's why? I really don't know. Like, I don't know the origin of that. Well, also, I think, uh, it's like... If you, though, I don't know, if you're, if your family, like, if your family lineage has been entirely um, cut off or erased because your uh, distant relatives were enslaved, it's kind of, like, fucked up to then make that a part of your identity by calling yourself African American because you were stolen from your you you just assumed your yeah, you lineage know. was stolen 
from you and that's how you come to be african-american like there's no choice really in that matter whereas like you know if you're italian-american you traveled from you immigrated from italy your family immigrated from italy and came to america or if you're irish-american your family immigrated from ireland and came to america not that everyone has these flowery flowery um wonderful like you know i'm sure my irish immigrant um family came to america because they were fucking starving and you well, know a lot of them did i'm sure yeah you know so it's not a like we, we have whatever but you know they didn't come they they weren't you know taken against their will and right. brought here to be slaves so right. i think part of the african-american thing stems from being like no i'm not american even really it's like right. i have no choice to be here yeah um anyway what's yours oh i don't have one this uh i don't have one nothing i haven't done anything i told an off-color joke that i feel guilty about um we you were looked at interracial porn I looked at interracial porn, uh, humiliation porn, interracial humiliation porn, uh, but I don't know if that's racist so much because the black guy was like pissing in the white woman's mouth, so that can't be racist, right? Um, well, there's people that would say it's reverse racist. Let's not talk about those people, okay? Uh, white supremacists people I would say um, you know yeah I told an off-color joke that I feel bad about I should confess this um, I was I, this was at my birthday picnic and I was talking to a friend of mine and I was going to do a uh, I was just like this stupid grant proposal I had was about uh, recreating scenes from Jane Austen novels and they were they were I for why can't I think of the French term for this it's a type of um uh performance art where you uh it's like creating a scene like a vignette scene that's a live performance um Sculpture. Maybe that'll help me come to terms with what what it's called. Live sculpture. Uh, now I'm at like live sculpture works. Oh wait, no. Is it that? No, it's not that. It really annoys me that I can't remember fucking names. Or people, and you know what? I'm getting older, and I'm just getting fucking dumber, and it really is depressing. Well, get used to it. Because <sighs> I can't remember anything. Anyway, well, it's like a living image. So, basically, you, it's, it's like a sculpture of people, but it's performance art. Uh, ew, my mom's trying to call me. Ew. Just kidding. We like that, Mom. Um, I declined. She's a friend of the podcast. Um. And a, pre a prior guest. 
This is really annoying. I have to, I have to, I have to figure this the fuck out. I, th this, I have to know what this is. Racist? What's that? I said I'm wearing a Mexican blanket. Is that racist? Uh, yes, it is. Um, definitely. Only Mexicans can wear them? No, uh, you probably bought it from a Mexican slave. Slave trade. Well, a Mexican slave probably need it. I bought it from Amazon, Beth. <laughs> um. Oh my god, I can't find the fucking name for this. It really is bothering me. Maybe one of our listeners will write to you on Twitter. Um, art, live sculpture, living sculpture, but no, no, this is like talking about topiaries. Tell me. Tell me what this is, Internet. Tell me what the fuck this is. Living statue. Okay, hold on. I think I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Living statue, a street artist who poses as a statue of mannequin. It's kind of based off this. Ah, Tableau Vivant. I found it. I don't. Living picture. Now, how the fuck do you say it? God. Sorry, you already embarrassed yourself. I really haunt. Shut up. I'm so Tumble upset. Tableau vivant. What the fuck was that? Tableau vivant. Tableau vivant. Anyway, I did a grand proposal tableau vivant um, of Jane Austen scenes from Jane Austen's book. I I was even even uh, in contact with a Jane Austen uh, scholar through the Rosenbach Library here in Philadelphia. And we were gonna like work with like historical societies that do, they do, they do like ballroom reenactments, but it's all period accurate costuming and stuff like that. And I was gonna do these tableau vivants in front of, um, from Jane Austen novels, in front of these historic mansions that are in Fairmount Park. Anyway, I did not get the grant, but I made this joke because I mean, my friend was like, well, yeah, that sounds like a little too specific and not sure, like, who would be interested in seeing that? Like, who would want to go see that? You know, um, white people. Probably a lot of people. Jane Austen's popular. Well, yeah, Jane Austen's popular, but I was like, but in Fairmont Park, it's also, it is a very specific thing. And yeah. it's like very, I just felt like it was very white people, you know, which mm, we yeah. both, we both weren't saying it. But I, but she said, actually, she said my friend was, um, we'll keep them anonymous because it would be embarrassing to be mentioned on this podcast. But I, she said like, uh, well, maybe if you did like it, maybe if you changed your proposal to be more like, uh, contemporary, like a Philly kind of take on it and the costuming and stuff, I, thinking more like on the lines of like clueless, like how clueless reenacted Emma and, um, you know, I don't know how you could like spin that further, but I was like, 
Oh, yeah. And if that, I probably would have gotten the grant if I did that, especially if I included POCs, people of color. And, uh, and then my friend said to me, uh, oh, like, you know, I was joking about the grant system, like w within community arts uh, and, and attaining artistic grants, artists are encouraged to write more for uh, minorities uh, or, you know, well, because in urban environments, minorities are typically the minority class is typically, you know, or I'm mixing up class. Minorities are typically the lower class urban um, uh, people that community arts grants are geared towards creating content for, you know? And so then what ends up happening is then middle-class white people are, uh, you know, misconstruing and bringing high culture into lower class neighborhoods and residents, but it's all mixed up with race and it ends up being a convoluted just shit show of bullshit artistic programming. So I was just making a commentary on that, like how, uh, you know, people assume that from middle class, that high culture is something that needs to be brought into the minority neighborhoods when it effectually like these minority neighborhoods already have their already existing high culture or culture within them that you just have no idea about. So creating a, but, but the, in any case, I'm just like going on and on trying to say the same thing over and over again, which I think I'm saying clearly. I don't know. Am I, do I make sense? Yes. Okay. So I was making a joke on that. And then she, her response to that was, Oh, right. Because, um, wait, what was the response? They said like, yeah, that's right. Grants like reward you for being a good person. Grants are geared to rewarding you for being a good person. And I was like, oh shit. Like, uh, my point was being that virtue signaling where you're writing a grant like to reach out to minority communities is bullshit. And she yeah. was saying, well, there's nothing wrong with grants wanting to reward you for being a good person or, or to make the incentive being for your, for your artistic process to be a good person. And my things with like ethics and morals is that an artist should be um, always up against, an artist should be avant-garde and always up against the system. Yeah. So we like, for, for you to assume the system is asking of me to be a good person, like is already, you know, a, I'm not making any fucking sense. No, I think you are. Um, I think you are. But my joke, yeah, I made an off-color joke. I made it an off-color joke. It goes off back to this, like, liberal what? thing of, like, no, shit got twisted. Because really, I think that we, like, I, there was a time when organizations did really try to help minorities. You know, I feel like some of these ideas, it's like, um, you know, people have, like, the problems with what is that called when you need like a certain number of minority people and then white people are like you only got that because you were a diversity hire like what, yeah. what was that called affirmative when, like, action yes so affirmative action it's, I feel like it's like sort of the same thing where it was like the idea is great it's trying to be more inclusive mm -hmm. and it's trying to give people you know tr trying to at least 
put people sort of at the same starting line, at least at a certain point in their life or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it gets fucked. It gets twisted up because people figure out how to make money off of it. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Yeah, and I money and people. It's fake representation. Play the system. Right. It, it's Kamala it, Harris. It puts everybody. It's Kamala Harris politics. I know. Which again, it's just like when you get into it, it's like it. It's you're like it makes you sound like an asshole, but you're like no, like let me get to the end of this. But I, I don't know. It's just like I feel like yeah, people only hear bits and pieces of mm-hmm. like this reality that like yeah, everything is corrupt. No, it's not okay that like we're saying like we're just gonna put this 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 black woman out there because people finally protested enough. Like, oh my god. Well, and also I was like, my thing was like, would I have told this joke if a black person was there? And I don't think I would have told the joke because it is so nuanced and like getting into this conversation, I'm even getting confused while I'm talking about it. Um, So you, I typically do not want to get into this conversation. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know, or, and I've been in a position as a white woman or like, oh, you want to teach this class to kids? Um, okay, we want you to, like, do a curriculum that's about, you know, black history, you know, because our, the children, all the students are minorities, so that, that's what we want you to do, and, and I feel really uncomfortable about that as a white woman coming in, showing them what white people have considered high culture from black communities, which is, it, there, you know, the Harlem Renaissance, like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, look, I just, yeah, the Harlem Renaissance, that's a staple, right? Um, I just feel, like, really uncomfortable. I'm just like, you know what, it's actually better if you actually get someone from that community to teach the class than to have me yeah. come in and do it. Yeah, because they understand the, they're from that, that's them, that's who they are. Like, yeah. me and you are who we are. We're from fucking Delaware County. Right. We're white girls. Yeah. That's who we are. Exactly. And that's why we don't fully understand the different minority cultures that we talk about because we're just not from there. Yeah. Like, we do try to understand, like, how that fucks us up. We're you know, pretty we close. There's, are, a, there's plenty of middle-class black people who are, are just like us, though, and it's not absolutely. different. But I, yeah. I well, we're not poverty class. Like, I can't go into fucking North Philly and curate shit. Or teach art classes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My point point being. Anyway, but it was an off-color joke, and it's something I felt guilty about, so I thought it was a good thing. I I, Just off the top, I was like, this is probably a good racist confession to talk about. Good job. You're a good person. Thank you. You're a good person. Thank you for telling me I'm a good person. That's really what I needed. I know. That's a cathartic release I needed. You're accepting. You're a good person, too, Marie. You're diverse. Anyway, uh, let's now, um, so, let's get into, no, we can't get into the topic yet. Let's see. Delaware County. Uh, well, you know, my dad sent me a uh, Delco news item that I could talk about on the podcast from the Delco oh. Times. And I can't really tell you that much about it, except that uh, it was a person in theater 
who used to work for, well, they still do the Walnut Street Theater. And they were just talking about being an actor in um, COVID, during COVID times. And they're from Delaware County. They, they're actually were, they were in summer stage. They're a summer stage alumni, which is how they were come to be written up in the Delco times as summer stage alumni, which both you and I are summer stage alumni, 95, summer stage 95. Uh, So this person was from, uh, was in summer stage and they are in a show that is now touring in Florida and they had to do like virtual uh, performances, Uh which is just weird and, you know, not the way it should be. And in any case, but the musical was, and I had no idea that this was a musical, but it was Bodyguard the Musical. Oh my God, I want to fucking go see it. Same here. I can't believe there's a bodyguard that, and it was playing. I just spit all over my computer. I had to tape the Whitney Houston tape. And uh, everybody knows that song. If you were alive in the 90s. I can't hear that song without hearing the David Spade SNL clip. And I, I want my money back. That is, for some reason, that's, like, really stuck in my head. It was just an SNL skit when David Spade was doing the uh, the news section of SNL that they still fucking do. That show is so stale and old. I, like, forget that it's even a thing. Um, yeah, well, oh, they were talking about people playing, or they were, like, celebrating. SNL was celebrating because Kamala is the VP and, uh, you know, I guess they're, like, really excited to do Kamala features on SNL now. Oh, my God. Fucking die already. That show needs to fucking die. And, anyway. I really, Kamala doesn't need anyone to parody her. And, again, I like, I like, her, I like her bitchy style, whatever. But, no, she's got, she's enough. She, she talks through her nose, and she's like, I was that little girl, Joe. I was that little girl, Joe. And that's who she is. I still think it's the best pick for him, though. I mean, it probably was. Honestly, like, Elizabeth Warren really annoys me. Um, and he said during one of the debates that he was going to have a black female vice president. So yeah. then the choice was already made. Yeah. Because he was asked a question about whether he was going to have a black female VP. I I feel like that was, like, why the decision was made. And the, now, K, the K-Hive is... It would have thing from before. But I feel like it was just because somebody was like, so you're going to do it, right? He was like, yeah, I'm Uncle Joe. <laughs> they, uh, the K-Hive is, is uh, pretty active, too. So they need some grassroots in their campaign. So the K-Hive will come in handy for that. The K-Hive... Um, yeah, I, I feel like I need to learn more about her. Um, I know that she was the DA, right? And I know that she's done things that probably uh, should be undone. Oh, well, yeah. she's done. She's, she was DA during the three strikes you're out protocol, yeah. which was like, which is really fucked up. Because like, say you get arrested three times for weed, that's it. You go to yeah. jail for the rest of your fucking life. She that's also, ridiculous. yeah, she also like, um, was like, had denied... Um, evidence for people to release people from prison, to keep people in jail. 
She also like denied um, inmates who wanted to get sex changes. Oh, cool, huh? So she's That's against that, like huh? trans rights in that essence. Um, yeah, uh, what are some other fucked up? Although I heard she's definitely not Medicare for all. Um, even though she like jumps on that bandwagon, she's really just does not. She just like tries. She's trying to co-opt the Medicare for all language to a point where people are so confused they think that uh, yeah, sounds good. Medicare for all, all thumbs up. Um, so that people will think that a private option is the same thing as Medicare for all, yeah, so that like we still have to fucking pay out of our pocket for goddamn healthcare when we should. Exactly. We're taxpayers. Fuck you. Fuck you. And, and there's enough money. Don't give me that bullshit. I, fucking do I have heard this. I, I mean, I didn't read any of this, but I have heard that she's for the Green New Deal, which is good, you know. Um, whatever. I mean, I don't even. You're not gonna pass that shit. Really it's basically replacing all the fracking jobs and the fracking industry to turn towards green energy, like building windmill, like or wind energy and building. Um, solar and basically turning those jobs into those that that industry so um, and effectually uh, de-investing in um, uh, oil and fracking and all that shit fossil fuels de-investing in fossil what's that is it still, like, a thing where, like, oh, now everyone in America will have a job because of this? Like, is that still the idea? I haven't... Like, oh, that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is and to, then everybody's like, oh, my God, fascism because the government is going to mandate us to have jobs. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it turns into. Uh, <laughs> what the... It's like, you can't win. No, you really can't. When you try to, like, be like, guys, guys, listen... Most of us are poor. There's a lot of suffering coming if we don't get our shit together. Can we please just, like, vote for our own best interest? And everyone spits in your fucking face. So, like, honestly, like, fuck everybody. Fuck all of you. Yeah, fuck all of you. I mean, and honestly, no matter how you vote in this election. Shit, be a fucking cheerleader for whoever. And, like, yeah. I, You're not voting in your best interest. Shit. What? But, like, I, I said before 2016, I did not care about politics. But, like, we have to care. Oh, yeah. We do. We have to care. We have to talk about it, even if we sound stupid, even if we regret what, what we say. Because we were for general, we are viewed as cattle by the those who are like in power and mm -hmm. making money off of our backs, like off of our labor. We're just a bunch of all copper tops to them. Work every day and being fucking miserable and knowing that you're never going to get out of this job for the rest of your life. Someone's on a fucking yacht from the money that like you made for them because mm -hmm. like they're just like paying you the absolute bare fucking minimum and like mm. you're told to like eat that shit and smile and like you don't have to you don't have to and none of us have to and like mm. how do we change it fascism fascism <laughs> kidding fascism. okay um that's like I also I just watched this movie well I didn't finish it it's an it's a very arty movie um it's called the wooden tree for what the tree of wooden clogs. Is that what the fuck it's called? I don't know, but that's kind of funny. Um, yeah, and it's kind of like it's an Italian film, and it's kind of oh yeah, it's like pre-fascism uh, in Italy. 
So there's a lot of talk like um, about labor and workers and like just like where they were like in feudalism, you know, uh, tenant farming. So just where everyone was in the state of poverty everyone was in before um, Italy went into f fascism. Uh, but I didn't finish the movie. And mostly it's really not that political. Um, it, it Honestly, like as far as political as uh, it's kind of an open-ended point of view. Um, but I didn't finish the movie and I can't really talk about it beyond that. Anyway, next section of the podcast. Next section of the podcast. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. So we learned about Bodyguard the Musical thank, thanks to the Delco Times. That's, the, that's my Delaware County thing uh, that I have to mention in the Delaware County um, section of the podcast. For the rest I'm of the podcast, not, you can enjoy our accents. I mean, for, this is like, that is like the best team up. Delco and Florida. Delco and Florida. Yeah. What a perfect match. Yeah. And the, I mean, and they, no wonder it, there's a pipeline. The musical. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Couldn't be better. Uh, do you have any Delco things you want to talk about besides the Peter Sellers Library? Yeah, I feel like I've actually done a couple Delco offerings this episode, so I'll pass. Okay. Mm, I think that's all the sections. Uh, yeah, it is. Okay, so now we have just about, I think we just have like 10 minutes that we could talk about uh, the topic of the podcast, which is Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Now, I only... Look, I read it. I read the first book. I think I read maybe half of the second book, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually not that into this. That I want to read like all six of this thing. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, like the one book is actually the first book. I feel like is you don't have to read all the books. You can read the first one, and it's a full experience. Well, you can, yeah. That's. I mean, the movie is the first book. I think there's aspects of some of the other books included, um, but. The plot itself, like, I feel like a major portion of the plot is in the first book. And then there's a lot of, like, there's just, like, a lot of tangents and then a lot of explanations and a lot, I mean, I feel like it even gets into, like, time travel or different, it's, like, probabilities because, so the... I would say story, it's, it's also like Monty Python, but smarter, actually. Because it's yeah, more I, on I, the nose. Of, yeah, I, it's more on the nose of political critique, I think. Yeah, and it's, like, all done through just words. Like, there's no... It's the way that he writes. It, that is so funny. And the way, I, to me, the way that he uses words. Like, when I was, like... I feel like now I'm like, ooh, I really need to reread this. Because, like, it just resonated so much with me when I was a child. And I feel like I'm at the point where I want to, like, do some inner child work. Mm -hmm. Um... But I was, it was like, it was like this amazing thing that I found. And I was like, holy shit, like someone can be this funny with the written word. Like I had no idea. So what is it about the way that he writes that is funny with the written word? Like what? I, I honestly, like I was trying to, I was thinking about it earlier and I was like trying to verbalize it. And I don't know that I can verbalize it because the experience is like so ingrained in me mm -hmm. it was like the childhood aha moment um and i feel like that's just, like i have to like really think about what it is about his writing because at that age i didn't be like oh what is it about it, you know obviously i know that like it's his absurd humor and um he kind of just he's like full of surprises he kind of doesn't really 
end a paragraph where he started a lot of the time, like, you're just, like, surprised. Um, to me, I just constantly feel surprised and I'm laughing when I'm reading that. Yeah. You know, that said, I haven't read it in years, um, so there's a lot of stuff that I don't remember. Well, I would say his, his humor flirts with absurdism in the sense that it's, or his humor is absurdism in the sense that it flirts with nihilism. Like for instance, like, you know, the book starts with the earth just being completely blown up and gone. The, the book is the earth gets destroyed and he's the last man alive. Yeah. Human. Like, yeah, exactly. It's great. And then there's just this, like, funny, like, you know, relatable everyday experiences. Like, everyday sort of absurdisms that are relatable. Like, for instance, having to travel, like, to travel, the, all you really need is a towel. Like, as, as long as you have a towel, you're yeah. like, okay. And if you would imagine, if you can, like, just be like, yeah, it is kind of, like, the essential thing that you need. Yeah, I mean, don't panic. Don't panic and where's your towel? Um, there's, I, and then as far as, like, we were saying, like, how he, uh, riffs making fun of, um, politics, too, like, for instance, the, the president of the universe or whatever the fuck, is that, is it the president of the universe? Or the galaxy? Yeah, she's the president of the universe. Yeah, and he has, like, he has, like, two, he's two-faced, like, literally. What? Maybe he's the president of the galaxy. I don't know. Yeah, he's an idiot. He's a two-faced idiot, which makes sense for a president. Yeah, and he drives, like, this, the like, the fanciest vehicle in the universe, the heart of gold, that has the infinite probability drive, which makes all this crazy shit happen. Um, you know, and there, it's very, yeah, I would say it's comedy, but it's also philosophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, obviously, you know, with the absurdism and nihilism. Um, and this, okay, so here's, like, an example of what I'm saying, what I'm talking about, like, his, like, twists and surprises. Mm -hmm. Like, he really dragged out getting to the point that the mice are the smartest animals on the planet in the books. Like, I always felt like that was, like, really drawn out. And, like, the whole time you're like, well, yeah. I mean, and he's like, no, humans are not the smartest animal on the planet. And you're like, oh, okay, so it's dolphins. And the whole time you're sort of, like, led to believe that it's dolphins. Yeah. But really, it's fucking mice. And I forget, how do the mice, don't the mice, like, mind control the dolphins some way? I don't even, I don't even remember. But they, mice are, like, really important. Not in humanity, but I think, like, in the whole universe. Um... Mice, not rats. Mice. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, I guess that's funny. I, I, re I really wish dolphins were the smartest. It's funny because of the way that he plays out, plays it out and takes you sort of through this journey of thought and then all of a sudden the punchline is it's the mice. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the same thing with the meaning of, meaning of the world and it's this computer and like of course the computer just computes to 42 that's the meaning right and he challenges your assumptions and he's like you know what it, life is crazy and it fucks you and it's funny and it's full of surprises and it's anticlimactic and that's funny too I feel like I looked this up too like I feel like he picked the number 42 and there's more to that number 
I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious to know. Uh, sure so the supercomputer, the compute, the supercomputer is named Deep Thought, and it took seven point uh, five million years to come up with the number forty-two. Um. Uh, oh man, this is somebody who believes in angels that got into the number forty-two. We should do an oh, an, we should do an angel podcast talking about angels. By the way, that would be a good one. Could get interesting. The, I I just like remember it was like I I mean I don't remember I vaguely recall uh, a blog reading a blog post about um, the number forty-two and Hitchhiker's Guide, but. On the other level, like, 42 ha is also a number that, like, he didn't come to that randomly. Right. No, I, I, I actually don't remember. And, and I know that, like, there's his explanation and that if people have theories about it, like, I really, I actually don't know. Um... Anyway, you know, go down the 42 rabbit hole if you so wish after listening to this podcast because we're not going to get into it much more than uh, saying Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, like uh, Douglas Adams said it was the answer. It's a, here's an article from The Independent, February 6, 2011. Douglas Adams says it was the answer to the meaning of life, the universe, and everything. He meant it as a joke, but a new book shows how the number 42 has played a significant role in history. So there's that article if you're interested. That's probably the article I read, and I probably read it in 2011 when it came out. Yeah, that's when he died. Um, oh, yeah, Douglas Adams is dead. Which I thought he was older, but I guess he was only like in his early just like Terrence McKenna. He was on he was in his fifties? Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Um you know. I don't know. It wouldn't be that bad to die in your fifties. Yeah, honestly, I mean whatever. It's you at least you go it. out like not being like really fucking old and in pain. I know, like decrepit. Yeah. Hmm. But um yeah, I uh, now I'm just, I'm just trying to recall other things about if you when you're reading well, Hitchhiker, yeah. I would say his his writing. What I think is funny about his writing is that it's very matter of fact. Yeah. He he's a very good. He has a narrator's voice. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, the way you read it is just very. You know. Um, yeah, I would say matter of fact. That's what I would say. I think that's a great way to describe it. That's what um, I said. He really does. He, like, juxtaposes these, like, very everyday objects and events in these completely outlandish and absurd ways. Like, for example, when the heart, when Arthur Dent, when the Earth blows up and Ford Prefect takes Arthur Dent and they hitchhike onto the Verdun ship, um, and then the Heart of Gold picks them up when they are ejected out of the ship. Um, that's all caused by the infinite improbability drive in the Heart of Gold, which is Seifad's ship, which also Trillian is on, but that's a whole other story. So 
when that happens, that's when the uh, the pot of petunias and the whale get like incarnated over a planet in the sky, and there's this whole passage about the whale's existential crisis as it's like falling and it realizing that it's alive and like that there's things and you it's it's great. Wow, Maureen, you're so good at remembering books. I've read this one a lot of times, and also I did just watch, like, a couple clips of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie before this. Oh, okay. That's but cheating. I'm trying to think of other situations. That's cheating. That it not, is not cheating. We're not supposed to do research on this podcast. I was refreshing my memory. I, you know, I should, I, I seriously, like, there's so many books I, I have, like, a huge stack now that I'm gonna have to get through hopefully I get it the what I even have to read now will definitely last me six months but like um so I don't understand what's that so so you're good for the rest of COVID I'm I'm good for six months and I literally cannot buy another fucking book I have to stop so uh but so in that in that case I like never reread books because there's just so many other books I'm trying to read. So I just have never gotten to a point to reread. But I really think of a book and also, quite frankly, I'm always like, I'm just like, yeah, I I would rather the fresh experience of reading a new book. But uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, I think about rereading the same way, like, I don't always want to rewatch a movie, like, because... You just start to remember the movie, and you're like, oh, there you go. I experienced it in my re- recall, and that's fine. That's enough for me. I don't have to rewatch the movie. But some are really enjoyable to rewatch. And I really yeah. think Hitchhiker's Guide is a book that I would want to reread yeah. because it really is, it really was that enjoyable to read. Um, and yeah, it's very entertaining, and it, and it constantly makes you laugh. Like, there is literally. Yeah. There's, it's just, it, uh, just, it's packed. It's, it's packed. like packed with jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and I really. like super relatable existential jokes. And also science fiction in and of itself is a genre. Is, it's always about making, you know, tangent um, observations on society um, and whatever. That's, that's, that's the thrill of reading sci-fi is like having a, um, you know, a societal look at critique at the same time you're stepped back through the fantasy of it all. So you can really um, use your imagination and, you know, just go off on, on a tangent. But um, with Hitchhiker's Guide is that, but it's also, it's just constant, it's comedy, which is, is a rare thing in science fiction. I mean, I really right. don't... It might be like in books. In books as well, like like science fiction just hasn't been able to do humor, and but Douglas Adams does it so effortlessly, like combining the genre of science fiction and philosophy and humor in a way that is so unique. I really don't know any other books that I can compare it to. Agreed, and he really like just created this like infinite universe, and it's like a the book. Mm-hmm. And, like, the premise of the book being The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which in itself is basically the fucking internet. Like, they didn't know it was the internet when these books were written, but it sure was. Um, So it's just, like, this thing that explains the entire, you know, galaxy, universe, Mm -hmm. whatever. And um, throughout the books, like, 
it goes he goes and he describes all these different types of planets like there's a planet that mat, there's that wet mattresses live on and like they I, I don't remember what happens but I feel like they eat you I think they're like carnivorous wet mattresses like there's oh like, god that planet. just reminds me I'm now I hate myself for saying this but I guess Rick and Morty would be oh the god, yes. sci-fi comedy philosophy uh, genre yeah, and I, hate I feel myself. like Rick, the people, I mean, Rick and Morty, if you like Rick and Morty, you would like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. It books. Uh-huh. Not just, like, the movie. Like, the movie, it, I did like the, the big Hollywood movie that came out. There is also a BBC I film thought that it came was, Yeah, I thought the, the movie was spot on. Yeah, it was good. I loved yeah. it. Yeah, Um, I was very, like, very happy with it as a fan of the books. Um, but there's also a BBC movie. Um, from like earlier times mm-hmm. and uh, yeah there's the I, yes and like they touch on the plot points and a lot of the jokes but like there's so much more and it's all just as funny yeah um, what other or whatever his name is like everybody has like funniest names like Ford Prefect chose his name because he hitchhiked to earth and he saw a car called the Ford Prefect, mm-hmm. and that's why he's called Ford Prefect. Um, I'm le- I'm reading another British person, British writer, science fiction right now. Uh, well, I'm I'm audio booking it. Uh, it's C.S. Lewis's trilogy uh, about space travel, and they go to a planet called Melicandra. But uh, this, it was, it's a, a person from Earth who was kidnapped, though, and brought to this planet. And Melicandra is actually Mars. Um, so, but, you know, this was like the 50s, 60s, or actually, wait. I don't know when this book was written. Yeah, back when they were like, we'll never have people on Mars. Yeah, exactly. Like, when, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting the space trilogy. I'm on the book one, which is, um, what's the book one? Out of the Silent Planet, uh, and uh, it's you know, it's a it's an exploration type science science fiction genre, so space exploration like imagination blah blah. Basically, it's like imagine the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, but it's in outer space. In any That's case, cool. it's it's another Brit- cool. it's another basic British sci-fi thing that um, I'm consuming. But yeah, it's, um, but it's interesting in the way, yeah, like, you know, they, you take like these different species and planets and apply it to your earthly knowledge of, uh, our own species and, um, whatever. Yeah. Fauna. Um, but it's not funny at all. It's not funny. Uh, You're not funny. And it's it's not funny, and it's also, I would say it's kind of basic. I'm not, it's not really, like, blowing my mind. Oh, well, then, if it's basic, I would obviously like it. You would probably like it, yeah. It's, it's not written for me, yeah. It's, it's British, basic British comedy. That's basically No, it's not comedy. comedy. It's not comedy. <laughs> but, uh... But like British science fiction. But it like for instance, Hitchhiker's Guide will it blows your mind. Like it, it just never stops with the jokes. It's, it's very, it's very yeah. It never stops with the jokes. 
but it also at the same time like the connections that he makes uh when for instance in inventing species like what who's the species that like doesn't he have to go to like a dmv sort of situation at one point um or the, like it's like his at his big it's like his long joke about bureaucracy within government and it's like but i forget and then also isn't with there the like is the, it the Vogons with the Vogon poetry? Yes. Yeah. Can yeah. you please elaborate about the Vogons? So for our the audience? Vogons, I, I should just like I should just read it. I should just read it. Um, the Vogons are the race of aliens who destroyed the Earth. They're basically like it's funny in the book because the way that they sort of are handling the situation with the earth is it's kind of parodying the situation that's going on with Arthur personally on earth, which is his house has been like selected to be destroyed for a highway. And he has not been told. And he is told by the guy driving the, um, you know, the bulldozer that, you know, these plans have been on display for the past six months in such and such government building. And Arthur Dunn is like, why the fuck would I know that? Um, so he lays down in the mud in front of his home, and then that's when Ford Prefect takes him to the bar, and then they leave the planet, but they get picked up by the Vogons, who are basically just, like, the larger version of this bureaucratic system that really doesn't care about, you know, in this situation, like, the little guy, the homeowner, um, which is Earth. And, yeah, and they, they their ships, like, kind of swarm in, and... The people of us are like, oh my god, what are you doing? They're like, well, we don't understand why you're surprised. The plans were on display and the whatever. So that's sort of who the Vogons are. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you hear them described or you see them, like they're disgusting creatures and they love nothing more than their own poetry, but it's the worst poetry in the universe. And you can, I, you can like die from listening to their poetry. That's the Vogons. I mean, any any chance if you're gonna write comedy, uh, it's essential that you include making fun of poetry within within your prose at, at one point in time or another. And that is just such a genius stroke in including that poetry sucks uh, through as like an end game of a long joke about the Vogons. Like honestly, that's great. Um, but I was actually what made me think of it too was because there's a species in the C.S. Lewis book that I'm audiobooking in on Melochondra aka Mars called the Haras and they are they're sort of like a native tribal community would be the best way to describe it of course they're aliens though so they don't look they don't they're not human looking at all but in any case uh, no, I'm not being racist uh, they, they literally are not human and uh, they are also, their tribe is known for their poetry. And that just made me think of um, how this species in um, Hitchhiker's Guide is that their tribe is, you know, this species is known for their horrible poetry. Now, I wonder, now I'm going to, oh, shit. Okay, you know what? This book was published in 1938. So I honestly, that's just what made me think of it, because I wonder if uh, Douglas Adams is, is 
uh, making a joke about this species in C.S. Lewis's science fiction trilogy. Um, hmm. He might have been. Hmm. That is um, very interesting timeline. Here, I, have, I do have a passage from Chapter 5 um, of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, nice. Prosthetic Vogon Jelts was not a pleasant sight, even for other Vogons. His highly domed nose rose high above a small piggy forehead. His dark, gray, rubbery skin was thick enough for him to play the game of Vogon civil service politics and play it well, and waterproof enough for him to survive indefinitely at sea depths of up to a thousand feet with no ill effects. Not that he ever went swimming, of course. His busy schedule would not allow it. He was the way he was, because billions of years ago, when the Vogons had first crawled out of the sluggish, primeval seas of Bogosphere, and had lain panting and heaving on the planet's virgin shores, when the first rays of the bright young Vogal sun had shone across them that morning, it was as if the forces of evolution that had simply given up on them there and then, had turned aside in disgust and written them off as an ugly and unfortunate mistake. They never evolved again. They should never have survived. The fact that they did is some kind of tribute to this thick-willed, slug-brained stubbornness of these creatures. Evolution, they said to themselves, who needs it? And what, did na and what nature refused to do for them, they simply did without until such time as they were able to rectify the grosser anatomical inconveniences with surgery. Meanwhile, the natural forces on the planet Bogosphere had been working overtime to make up for their earlier blunder. They brought forth scintillating, jeweled, scuttling crabs, which the Vogons ate, smashing their shells with iron mallets, tall, aspiring trees with breathtaking slenderness and color which the Vogons cut down and burned the crab meat with, elegant, gazelle-like creatures with silken coats and dewy eyes which the Vogons would catch and sit on. There were no use as transport because their backs would snap instantly, but the Vogons sat on them anyway. Thus the planet Bogosphere wild away, the unhappy millennia, and the Vogons suddenly discovered the principles of interstellar travel. Within a few short Vog years, every last Vogon had migrated to the Megabrantis Cluster, the political hub of the galaxy, and now formed the civil service. I'm sorry, and now formed the immensely powerful backbone of the galactic civil service. They have attempted to acquire learning. They have attempted to acquire style and social grace. But in most respects, the modern Vogon is little different from his primitive forebears. Every year, they import 27,000 scintillating, jeweled, scuttling crabs from their native planet and while away a happy drunken night, smashing them to bits with iron mallets. Prostetnik Vogon Jelts was a fairly typical Vogon in that he was thoroughly vile. Also, he did not like hitchhikers. Somewhere in a small dark cabin buried deep in the intestines of Prostetnik Vogon Jelts' flagship, a small match flared nervously. The owner of the match was not a Vogon, but he knew all about them and was right to be nervous. His name was Ford Prefect. Um, gonna skip a little bit. Ford Prefect said, I bought some peanuts. Arthur Dent moved and groaned again, muttering incoherently. Here, have some, urged Ford, shaking the packet again. If you've never been through a matter transference beam before, you've probably lost some salt and protein. The beer you had should have cushioned your system a little bit. Ooh, said Arthur Dent. He opened his eyes. One of the things Ford Prefect has always found hardest to understand about human beings was their habit of continually stating and repeating the obvious, as in, it's a nice day, or you're very tall, or oh dear, you seem to have fallen down a 30-foot well, are you all right? At first, Ford had formed a theory to account for this strange behavior. If human beings don't keep exercising their lips, he thought their mouths probably seize up. After a few months' consideration and observation, he abandoned this theory in favor of a new one. 
If they don't keep on exercising their lips, he thought, their brains start working. After a while, he abandoned this one as well as being obstructively cynical and decided he quite liked human beings after all, but he always remained desperately worried about the terrible number of things they didn't know about. If I asked you where the hell we were, he said Arthur weakly, would I regret it? Ford stood up. We're safe, he said. Oh, good, said Arthur. We're in a small galley cabin, said Ford, in one of the spaceships of the Vogon constructor fleet. Ah, said Arthur, this is obviously some strange usage of the word safe that I was not previously aware of. Um, so later on, time passes. They end up um, listening to the Vogon poetry. Mm -hmm. And then they, Ford gives Arthur a babblefish, which he sticks in his ear so that he can understand every, every language in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the Vogons, Vo, Vogons, right? I, I don't know. There's a lot. I, Vogons. I was never really sure how to say any of this until, like, the movie came out and... See, there's just, like, so much going on in the description of them. Like, I was, I was, like, essentially from their evolution, I'm like, okay, they're human. And then through the, the description of their sin, I said, okay, they're not only human, they're actually, he's describing middle class, uh, petite bourgeoisie. And then, yeah, I, you just kind of, like, that's what I mean about his writing goes on these detailed of tangents that is, like, social critique in a way that I find uh, really enjoyable and humorous. It is, and it's, it is. It's, like, beautiful because, like I was saying earlier, it really just it has these two situations at the out start of the books just, like, mirror each other with these guys mm -hmm. demolishing Arthur's house and then you know, the Vogons demolishing Earth, and he just lays it out. Like, he's like, I think humans are shitty. Yeah. Like, they're awesome, but they're shitty. Like, just like everything else, it's absurd. We're absurd. Yeah. Um, thank you for reading a passage there. That was... Oh, you're welcome. That was great. Um, well, I'm glad you liked it. I would have read more. I just felt like it... I don't know. I oh, no, yeah. We could go on and on and on. Um, mm -hmm. We should stop, actually. I know. I think I, know, we I think we need to move into closing thoughts section. Yeah, I think we should. So, what are your closing thoughts on Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Um, there's just so many. Like, I just was like scrolling down, and there's the Pan-Galactic Garble Blaster, which is the strongest drunk in the universe. Um, I think that uh, I think that what I sort of took away from this conversation, what I like realized, is that I think on a larger level as an adult um i think that what i really what part of what resonated with me with these books in addition to like because i felt alienated as a child i had horrible social anxiety i had tics i had issues and um i really appreciated it sort of that his view of humanity even at that time and um but i think more so it was that the fact that like I just it was like so many books and there was like just there would be whole chapters tangents on like these different planets and there was just literally this whole like universe to explore in the books and all of it was funny and um I don't know they, the books also like put me at ease because I guess I felt like okay somebody else gets why I'm critical of humanity yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, and also, uh, for instance, I, I definitely think, 
the philosophy of existentialism falls into um, Douglas Adams' um, writing and, and humor. And the existentialist philosophers were actually all really funny in any case. But um, no, really, like dark sense of humor is definitely a part of existentialist thought. But, and, um, but I think that you innately as a child were our... And your your uh, curiosities, your your anxieties are all are, are very much aligned with existential philosophy, which is why I think. And this is just an innate thing. You don't know. I'm, nobody knows shit about shit. That's the thing with philosophy. It's innate in everyone. Our general understanding of the world. And it's just about finding which philosopher is uh, like painting a clearer picture for you. And I think yeah. Douglas Adams is yours. Like, he was probably the earliest one that I identified with that clearly. I think you're actually right. And for those people who have been following along on the uh, Myers-Briggs tip of how I'm an ENFP, um, he's an ENTP, which is interesting because we both have that um, extroverted intuition that would want to, like, explore all these different crazy planets in the universe. Yeah, and, um, and that's, like, an also... And again, class, classic uh, sci-fi genre is the the uh, the catalyst of space exploration. That's the um, that would be just an endless palette of uh, source inspira- inspiring ins- source of inspiration. I can't talk. I'm a female comedian. I can't talk. I mix up words and I can't speak. I spoke. Right, what Specker. I'm a. I'm a specker. I'm a. I'm an awkward, awkward female comedian. Uh, okay. My closing thoughts on Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, it's definitely the type of book. If you haven't read it, I recommend because it's the it's the book that like ch- like changes your life. It's a life changing book. It's like it's a book you just get you just get obsessed with it. Um, there's not a lot of books do this. So in that sort of way, I would say it's a very powerful uh, uh, book because not a lot of books like change your life like that. Um, it, it's like super relatable given especially it's weird for like what the book's about, but it's so relatable. Yeah, it's relatable. It's, I mean, for it's definitely for our neoliberal times. Uh, it's definitely... Uh, quintessential reading. Woo! I just like my, I'm like playing with my cup. I have no more, no more ice. Oh, it's such a sad sound. No more seltzer. Oh, sorry to hear that. No more, no more ice. Um, no, I have no more, I have no more hot takes. I just made a hot takes joke. I just said a hot you take. No you have no more words in you? Yeah, I mean, I just said hot takes. I didn't, like, have a hot take. That's my hot take. You're done with your hot takes? Yeah, no. I think I'm done. No. I think I'm done. We have to eat food. It's like five. Yeah. It's six o'clock, dude. I've been, like, doing this for, like, two hours. If Holy shit. I don't know why you are. Oh, that Go reminds on. me. For the closing. Right, the subject matter's good. Yeah. Closing out on the podcast, or we're supposed to talk about the suicide hotline. If you made it to the end of the podcast, oh 
if you made it to the end of the podcast, uh, we want to share with you uh, the suicide hotline, which uh, we should have the phone number memorized by now. Uh, one yeah, the FCC has mandated our podcast to give out the suicide hotline to those who may still be engaged with the podcast at the end because they figured your next step may be suicide. So please, listen. Linda, listen. Uh, the uh, suicide hotline phone number is 1-800-273-8255. If you are feeling suicidal, don't do it. Uh, and you can call this number to speak with a counselor today. Uh, and it's free, confidential support for people in distress, prevention. Uh, and uh, they give you crisis resources. And we are not joking. We uh, think that if you made it to the end of this podcast, you might be suicidal. I mean, if you like us, you might be just suicidal. Maybe. Yeah. So, uh, if you're, if you're into existential thought, you might be suicidal. You can text too, by the way. Uh, I read that you could text the suicide hotline if you don't feel like talking on the phone. Who That's likes good. to Who likes to talk on the I phone? Feel like I would. That I, I mean, talk, talk about wanting to kill yourself. I mean, you know, if I was like, or like when you have to make a phone call, I know, right? Like this, like this right here, like calling you. I was actually nervous. I would, calling you today. I always get nervous and I was I was like maybe I should just send it now and then you called and I was like thank god just kidding I wasn't suicidal before this I would have called the suicide hotline <laughs> okay Maureen okay, yeah, um, uh, okay okay Maureen bye okay. what if I just hung up on you anyway I love you Maureen and the podcast is over all. now I love you I Love you. I, um, you know. So long so. and thanks for all the fish. Podcast. Podcast. Do, do, do. Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, it's a four house on the hill. Two hoes. Two hoes. Don't roll your skirt too short. Everybody's going to want to be up in that shorts.